2 Timothy chapter 2. Let's stand together, please. Verse 1. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Um, I won't say anything more about this verse. I'll say it now. This is, you know, keep in mind this is Paul writing to someone who means more to him probably on this earth maybe uh, as far as a disciple than anybody else. He calls him his beloved, his own son. And so he's writing to Timothy but also keep in mind, he's writing to Timothy. This is his second epistle. The last words that Paul will ever write are in this letter. And he says to him, My son, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. And then verse 2. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Now, I want to tonight talk about um, another aspect of God's call for disciples. And that is the disciples' call to teach. And if this was just one isolated verse, then we might dismiss this as being sort of not important or or not really for all of us, but you're going to see as we go through the scripture, there is a fundamental uh, principle of of truth, and that is this, that whatever God gives us, God wants us to share it with others. God doesn't, listen now, God doesn't give you truth just so you can know it. God gives you truth so you can share it. And one of the things that causes people or contributes, maybe be a better way, to people not growing is they're just taking in this truth, but they're really not doing anything with it. They may not even be obeying it. They may not even be engrafting it into their life, but they're certainly not sharing it with other people. And that's really not the way it's God intended. We're going to see that from the scripture tonight. And so we're talking about the disciples' call to teach. The same, everything you've heard from me, he said, commit that to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. We'll talk about that more in a moment. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word this evening. And we come before you and we come with your word in hand. We come, Father, just wanting to learn, wanting to grow. Not just to know, not just to be informed, not certainly not to be critical of truth, but Lord, to be disciples, to be hearers, to be hungry, to be open. Lord, that we might be pliable, that you might work in our hearts, work in our lives. And Lord, help us to grow and help us to help others. We pray for that. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. As as Bible-believing Christians, and that's that's really the only kind of Christians there ought to be, is Bible-believing Christians. As Bible-believing Christians, we should base... What we believe on the Bible. We ought to base what we believe on the Bible. By the way, if we're going to do that, we need to read the Bible. We need to know what the Bible says. We need to take it seriously. We need to have an open mind when we come to the Bible. It would not be wise, for instance, it would not be prudent for us to believe something about salvation based on the opinions of men, based on tradition. 
based on what is culturally acceptable. No, we want to refer to the authority to see what the Bible says about salvation. You would agree with that. We want to know what God says, not what, not what all the other people say, not what my friends say, but what does God say? And the same thing should be said about God's truth regarding marriage and God's truth regarding the family and God's truth regarding faithfulness to God and God's truth God's truth regarding church life and God's truth regarding our financial stewardship. We want to refer to the Bible and let God be the final authority. That's what Christians ought to be. That's what a Christian ought to be. The Bible is the only reliable source of sound doctrine. It's the Bible. (coughs) Pardon me. So that ought to be the commitment of every child of God, every sincere child of God is we're going to discover truth and we're going to ad- adopt that truth into our lives and we're going we're to live and try to, by the grace of God, to walk in that wisdom. And, and that's the reason for this series on discipleship because what is really a disciple supposed to be? What is a, a disciple supposed to do? There are a lot of different opinions about what the Christian life should look like. And so we've been talking about the disciples' call. And the first lesson, or the second lesson was, God called us to learn and grow. A person who claims to be a Christian, who is not learning the Bible, is um, off track. Let's just put it that way. It's not right. It's it's abnormal. It's, It's not natural. A Christian is a learner. We want to grow. We want to learn. What does the Bible say? And then we talk about we're called to follow and obey. Not just to learn the Bible, but live the Bible. We ought to have a spiritual appetite. And then we ought to take what we learn and apply it to our life. And a Christian is called, a disciple is called, commanded to deny yourself. It is a part of, it's the standard operating procedure For a person who is a believer to to take God's will and and always elevate that or exalt that over our own will and say no to ourself. And by the way, you don't just do that once. You do that every day. You do maybe several times every day. This is the calling of a disciple. It's a great life. And he's called to serve. Jesus said as he washed the disciples' feet, he says... I'm doing this for an example. I'm not just doing this to entertain you or make you feel awkward. I'm doing this because this is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to be a servant. And the last lesson was our call to love one another. Not just love one another like saying I love you, which is nothing wrong with that, but love like a a love that's a commitment, a love that's active. And so this is what the call is about. This is a disciple's call. All these things encompass what a disciple is. And all of us, we ought to all be growing in these different areas of our life and we never arrive. So when it comes to truth, our personal opinions don't matter as much as God's opinion. Our personalities, our backgrounds, Our personal preferences, all those kinds of things are secondary to what God says that we're to do and be. 
You say, well, I'm just not that, I'm just not cut out for that. Well, then we need to change, right? We need to change. We want to be like Jesus. We want to, that's the goal, to be like Jesus. And so what God calls us to do, this is all introduction, what God calls us to do is to mix faith with the word of God and trust him to enable us to be what he wants us to be. And one of the things that God calls us to do is to teach others. Let's look at our text in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2. Paul to Timothy says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses... Now he says, Timothy, you've learned a lot of things from me. You've heard a lot of sermons. You've heard a lot of lessons. All the things you've heard me say, and by the way, a lot of what Paul would have been referring to, we have in our, in our, in our Bible, in the inspired writings of the scripture, but a lot of things are not there. But he says, the things you've learned from me, and you're not the only one that learned them. There were many witnesses, many people heard. Imagine... Imagine right now, this is maybe hard for you to stretch your imagination this far, that you're sitting in a home or in a building somewhere, maybe even kind of fear for your life, and it's a group of believers that have come together, and the Apostle Paul comes up and he's teaching. He says, all the things you've heard me say, all the things he says you've heard me say, look at it in verse 2, the same Commit to faithful men. Everything you've heard me say, I want you to transfer it to someone else. Is that what he said? And then, what? okay, so Paul says this, everything I've taught you, I want you to teach faithful men. You teach, you're going to teach other people. And then what does he say? That they may what? Teach others. That they may teach others. I'm going to to teach you lessons. I want you to teach that lesson to other people so that those people can teach that lesson to other people. Now there's really at least four generations of learners here. Paul to Timothy to others who heard to faithful people and those faithful people will teach other people. Right? Right? That's, and by the way, that's what, that's what we have before us. We have before us divine truth that God gave many years ago to people that they might transfer it to other people. Every disciple is a learner. And every learner is called to be a teacher. This is not just Paul teaching. It's not just Timothy teaching. It's Timothy teaching others who will teach others. That's not just people. That's not just people in the ministry. That's just not just deacons and pastors and Sunday school teachers. That's Christians. Jesus calls his disciples to teach others. Now, I'm, I'm going to ask you to do something tonight. I want you to think about this as we go through this lesson. That we, see, that we learn to see ourselves as a, a teacher. We're a steward of truth. We're a steward of truth. That means whatever God gives us, he gives it to us for us, but it's not just for us. It's for others. It may be your children. It may be a friend. It may be a family member. It may be a neighbor. But all of us ought to be learning, taking our learning seriously because it's not just for us. It's for someone else down the road that's going to need that. 
I've heard, I've, I've shared this with you before, but when we were saved, we were in a church. It was a Southern Baptist church that was, uh, I don't think it was going on when we got there. I think it started after we got there, but they were, they were doing a series of lessons that were, that are called transferable concepts. I remember it so vividly. And we were taking, they were in little booklets and, and to be quite honest with you, it was, it was put out by a group that I couldn't recommend, but it helped me and it's helped a lot of people, I, but that doesn't mean it's always, you know, a lot of, God uses his truth to help people and it may not be that they are exactly what I think a, a church or a Christian or a ministry ought to be, but ne- nevertheless, these, so we, we were given these lessons and we went through them one a week, if I remember correctly. And every week we had this lesson, a different lesson, but the, we had two, two responsibilities. Number one, we're going to learn this. And I'm going to share with you some of the simple ideas we learn. We're going to learn this, but we're going to learn it with the understanding that not only is it going to help us, but somewhere down the road, it's going to help somebody else. That's pretty, it's transferable concepts. They're not just for us. You know, if you were to sit down, if we were to sit down and just talk about this Tonight, I think we could all come to an agreement that it's not healthy for us just to think about truth as always just for us. You know what I'm saying? Because if we need it, everybody needs it. It's for everybody. Now, some of these truths, for instance, were like one was how to be sure you're a Christian. It was a little booklet, how to be sure you're going to heaven. And, and, and then another one was how to be filled with the Spirit. If you're a Christian, how can you walk in the Spirit? How can you be filled with the Spirit? Another one was what to do when you sin. Some of you will remember that some of these are lessons that we have in our discipleship series. It's similar to that. How to witness to other people. We, we studied this. And then we would go out <coughs> and share with other people or how to pray. And then sometimes we would break up in groups. My wife may remember this. And we would go over the lesson with each other. We'd go over the lesson about how to know you're going to heaven. Or we'd go over the lesson with maybe a friend or family member. Or how, how, to, be, how, to, how to be filled with the Spirit. Or how to, what, do you do, what do you do as a Christian when you sin? We're trying to learn these lessons so we can teach those lessons to other people. Now that's, that's really the goal of discipleship. The goal of discipleship is to learn truth, apply that truth, and then share that truth. Now, I want us to look up a few verses together that sort of uh, underscore the importance of this. Go, we're going to, just a variety of verses. Go to Acts chapter 8, for instance, because we see that this just is not just an isolated example of how this is supposed to work. It's, it's found throughout the Bible, even in the Old Testament. Acts chapter 8 Acts chapter 7, just to refresh your memory while you're turning there, Stephen gave this strong, strong message um, to the Jewish people there that ended up in his death. They killed him, stoned him. In Acts chapter 8 and verse 1, Saul, Saul of Tarsus was there and, and was consenting unto his death. And at that time, look at Acts chapter 8, one, 8 and 1, at that time there was a great persecution, not just a minor persecution, but a great persecution at the church, which was at Jerusalem. They were all scattered abroad. They left the capital city there. They were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. 
They went miles and miles away into different villages and places. Persecution drove them from the city. They were all scattered abroad except, last part of verse 1, except the apostles. So it's an important thing to remember. All these people who were scattered were not the apostles. The apostles were the only ones who did not scatter. And look, if you would please, Acts chapter 8 and verse 4. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Everywhere. Now, let's just imagine. Let's say we're all a part of the church there in Jerusalem and people are being killed. James was beheaded. It's a, it's a horrific time to be a Christian. The, the Romans are pleasing the Jews by killing Christians. And they, they, so many horrific things happened in those days. They, they took Christians and made human torches out of them, hung them up on a cross and burned them to death. It was a, it was a horrific time. The apostles stayed, but we're not all apostles. So we're just, we just scattered everywhere we could go. Maybe we had family or friends or whatever. We just scattered around in Judea and Samaria. But what are we doing? What are you and I doing? What we're preaching. We're taking the gospel. That's, that's New Testament Christianity. Is that right or wrong? Taking the gospel to other people. I'll go to the right a little bit if you would to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. <clears throat> Great passage of scripture about God's comforts. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 3 says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies. 2 Corinthians 1, 3. And the last part of verse 3 says, And the God of all comfort. Isn't that great? The God of all comfort. Now look in verse 4. Who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. So what that verse teaches is that God comforts us. Every time we go through a trial, God is there to comfort us. But he doesn't just comfort us so we can be comforted. He comforts us so we can be comforted so that one day we can comfort comfort others with the same comfort that he's given to us. That means we're teaching others. We're helping. By the way, if you go through a trial and all you are is bitter, how are you going to help anybody? If you don't find the grace of God that strengthens you and helps you and gives you victory and sorrow, you don't have a message for other people. We're to help others with the help we've received. Somebody down the road is going to... If you can go through a trial and find grace and strength and help and mercy and God's comfort, then somewhere, I promise you, you're going to come across a hurting person who needs to know, hey, I've, I've had some sorrow in my life and I just want to tell you that God is good and God will see you through Someone sent an email through our website the other day and just had a simple question, uh, not a spiritual question really, a practical question. <coughs> and I know who the person is, but I, if they walked in the door, I wouldn't know them. I, I don't know that I'd ever recognize them, but they knew us because I've been to their church and know their family a little bit. So I get this note about nothing except just a practical question. And so I'm answering this email, and as I'm answering this email, it, I'm reminded that this family in the last few years, have gone through a deep valley in many ways. I was not there, but I know them, and I know, I know from people that I know that it was a 
a painful experience. So as I'm answering this email, it just came to my mind to say to this person, I just want to let you know that sometimes we go through things that we don't understand and a lot of times we'd like to know why and how and why did God do this. But I just want to let you know that that God's there for you and God loves you and God's going to see you through. I'm just telling, I just felt like it would be a reasonable thing to do. And I got the nicest letter back, not only from this person, but from one of their family members, just about how comforting it was. And all I'm saying, I'm not saying that to say I'm spiritual. I'm just saying everything we go, God teaches us things so we can teach others. You need to see, if you're really a Christian, if you've really been born again, then you are a student, you are a learner, and God calls us to learn everything we can because somewhere down the road, somebody's going to need what we've learned. People don't just need our opinions. People don't just need our, our attitude. They need truth. They need to know what God says about a situation. We're teaching other people what we've learned. That's what the Great Commission says. Go to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Verse 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. He tells these disciples, he tells this church, Go and teach all nations, all people groups, Give them the truth. Teach them the gospel. Then after they get saved, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Teach them. Get them saved. Get them baptized. The sentence does not end there in verse 19. It continues into verse 20. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. You teach them everything I've taught you. And by the way, if you're going to teach them everything I've taught you, that means that they're going to take what you've taught them and they're going to teach it to someone else. Every convert, every disciple is called to be a teacher, to transfer, to transmit truth. Go with you, you would please, to the book of Titus. And I'm, in, I'm purposefully looking at things, some that are, uh, might be looked at more as ecclesiastical, like church business, others personal, because all of it's about teaching. Titus First and Second Thessalonians, First and Second Timothy, then Titus. <coughs> pardon me, Titus chapter two, verse one. Paul writes to his one of his fellow preachers, but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Verse two of Titus chapter two, Titus two two, that the aged men be sober, aged men. That's men older than me. That the aged men be sober, serious-minded, grave, temperate, self-controlled, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness. Not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. Older women should be teachers of good things. What are they going to teach? Verse 4, that they may teach the younger women to be sober. It's wisdom. To love their husbands, to love their children. To be discreet, chaste, 
keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. So younger people are to learn from older people. Older people are to be godly examples in their character, in their, in their spirituality, in their holiness. But they're to teach younger people. Older women are to teach younger women. Older men are to influence younger... I'm just saying we're all called to be teachers. It's not just the preacher. It's all of us. All of us. Just like parents are to teach their children. We're all teachers. Aged men and women are to be teachers. Younger men and women should be looking to learn from older men and women. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. The disciples call to teach... Let's go to one other verse in the Old Testament. Psalms 78. Not a verse, but a passage. Psalm 78. Verse 1 says, Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. Listen, pay attention, give ear to what I'm saying, to what I'm teaching. I will open my mouth in verse 2. In a a parable, I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. I'm going to be telling you some things. I want you to listen, he says, in this psalm. I want to to tell you some things that we learned from the generation before us. Verse 4, we will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord. We're going to We're going to transfer this to the next generation and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, his word, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born who should arise and declare them to their children. Now think about, just think about this. Our fathers taught their children that they would make them known to the generation to come. So our fathers, their children, they're going to make them known to the generation to come, even the children which should be born. These are the unborn children who should arise and declare it to their children. Is that what your Bible says? Parents should teach their children that they might teach their children that they might teach their children. That, that does away with this idea, well, I'm just going to send my kids to Sunday school and let somebody else teach them. No, we're to all be involved in teaching them. We're all called to be teachers. We've got to get it out of our head that, you know, it's not really important what we do with what we've learned. The truth is we're responsible to do something with what we've learned. We're to share it with other people. Pass it on to our children. Disciples are to teach. Parents are to teach their children. Older people are to teach younger people. We're supposed to make disciples so those disciples can teach other people. Now that's not just a handful of people. That's every person who claims to be a child of God, that's all of us. Right? It's all of us. It's a compelling, it's a compelling and yet a 
yet a very encouraging responsibility to consider. And there are probably people sitting here thinking, well, I don't know where to start. I never saw myself as a teacher. I don't know where to start. And for this to perpetuate, and it should be perpetuating, it requires two simple things. Number one, it requires disciples who are willing to be obedient and teach. You know, I know everybody doesn't agree with me about this, but I am deeply troubled about what's going on in our culture on so many fronts. And a part of the reason, not the only reason, but part of the reason is because parents aren't teaching their kids. They're letting some professional teacher with an ungodly curriculum instruct their children, right? We need to take responsibility for the education of our children. That's part of the reason. Another part of the reason, though, is, and this goes back a lot of it, I think, too, the kind of what's happening in our colleges and different things, is... It's becoming more and more the norm, the new norm, for young people to have a disregard or disdain for what their fathers and grandfathers thought and believed and practiced. It's kind of like the song we heard tonight about the old paths. A lot of people don't want it. Just because it's old does not mean it's useless. Now, I have some old things, we have some old things around our house that could be discarded. But there are a lot of things, and I'm not just talking about fundamental doctrines. I'm talking about just traditions that are proving, and they're, and, and they're good for people. They're good, you know, you could, I could just go any direction with this. But let's just take one simple thing. Just the way we address people, the way we talk to people, the way we show respect to people. Now, I can give you a Bible defense of the fact that we ought to respect other people. But I'm not just teaching of this because of its, it's theologically sound. It's just common sense. And for a lot of people, if you can't find a chapter and verse, they say it's no good. I'm telling you, that's not necessarily so. We've got to get back to teaching people, teaching them the truth, teaching them how to behave, teaching them how to respect, teaching them how to be a man, teaching them how to be a... We've got to get back to teaching. We're all to be teachers. Moms are to be teachers. Dads are to be teachers. We're all to be teachers. So one thing it requires is disciples who are willing to teach. And is it really happening? I don't think it's happening in our culture a lot. But it ought to be happening in our families. It ought to be happening in the church. We've got to be willing to teach. Go with me, if you would, please, to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. And let's just look in verse 11. In verse 10, the writer of Hebrews is talking about Jesus Christ, called of God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. He's talking about Jesus. 
And then he says in verse 11, of whom, talking about Jesus, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you're dull of hearing. And that really describes a lot of people. They're dull of hearing. They have hearing loss. They're, they're hard. They're, 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 not, they're, they're not really attentive to spiritual things. He says, seeing you're dull of hearing. Look in verse 12. For when for the time ye ought to be what? Teachers. You ought to be teachers. He's writing these. He's not talking about Sunday school te- leaders. He's not talking about preachers. He's talking about believers, Christians. When for the time ye ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles, the oracles of God. And by the way, there's nothing, you know, I, I have a certain amount of respect for a person who will say, look, you know what? I should be further down the road spiritually than I am. I've lost some time. I've lost some space. But I, and I need to be retaught. I have respect for a person that's willing to do that. Rather than just act like everything's okay. And that's where these people were. They need to be retaught. You know why? Because they should be teaching. They should be teachers. All of us should be teachers. It's not just some of us. Did I already say that? All of us should be teachers. Go to the right from there a little bit to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. 1 Peter 3, 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of hope that's in you with meekness and fear. This is a, a very generic, general uh, command, admonition to all believers. And this is what he says. Be ready always to give an answer to every man for the reason the hope that's within you. Be prepared. Be ready. To do what? To teach. To tell someone. We, we're, we I said, I'm going to use we in a very general way, but we get lazy about this stuff. We come to church, we hear sermons, and we don't take it seriously. We don't, we don't, we don't try to make a mental note or write down or think about, you know, I'm, I, need, I need to get this down. I need to work on this. I need to make sure I understand this. Because somewhere I'm going to need this. Somewhere I'm going to need to share this with someone. That's what God, that's what a disciple is. Jesus Jesus had all these disciples around him, but for only three and a half years. Just three years he had with them. But you know what he said to him? When I'm gone, I want you to take everything I've taught you, and I want you to teach it to other people, and they're going to teach it to other people. And by the way, it worked. Right? The gospel covered the world. It works. But you know what people get to thinking? I'm just going to go to Sunday school and I'm going to expect the teacher to have a lesson prepared. I'm going to listen to a Sunday school lesson. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to hear a sermon. Hopefully there's something that I can use. And then I'm going to go home and I'll come back again Wednesday and do it again. No, we ought to be learning so that we can share with others. Does that make sense? So if this, if this is going to be perpetuated, we need people who are willing to teach. So I'm going, to, I'm going to deputize all of you tonight as teachers. I, I, maybe I'm just being negative. Maybe I'm being critical. But I, I would venture to say there are probably people listening in this room right now listening and saying, I don't care what you say. I'm not teaching anybody anything. And I'll tell you, you are stubborn and disobedient. 
right? You're dis- and not to me, but to God. To God. God's the one that said this stuff, not me. I'm, I mean, I did say it, but he said it first. <laughs> so if it's going to be perpetuated, there have to be people willing to teach. That's the first thing. I said there are two simple things. People have to be willing to teach. But second of all, disciples have to be willing to learn. We've got to be willing to learn. I was reminded this afternoon of a passage, and I'm going to look at it real quick to just mention a couple things. It's Acts chapter 18. If you're writing down notes, you could write it down. And that's when we're introduced in verse 4 of that chapter to Apollos, born in Alexandria, Alexandria, um, northern part of the African continent. This is what it says about Apollos. He was an eloquent man. Mighty in the scriptures. Mighty in the scriptures. He'd probably intimidate us. He knows the Bible. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord. He was, verse 25 says, fervent in spirit, full of zeal. He spake and, <coughs> excuse me, and taught diligently the things of the Lord. Quite impressive guy, Apollos. Um, Verse 26 says, and he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. So here's a man, here's a man that was instructed in the way of the Lord. He was eloquent. He was mighty in scriptures. He was fervent in spirit. He taught diligently the things of the Lord, and yet he was willing to learn. He was willing to learn. If this is, going to, if this is really going to be fleshed out in our life, it takes disciples who are willing to teach, but it also takes disciples who are willing to learn. Willing to learn. The last verse I want to look at is Proverbs chapter 9. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 9. Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Now, what is a scorner? A scorner is someone who is not teachable. A scorner is someone who uh, is stubborn. And the Bible says, basically, you're wasting your time reproving him. To reprove means you're trying to Help, you're trying to help him. You're trying to correct him. You're trying to show him where he's wrong. And he says, if you reprove a scorner, he may hate you. Right? I just th- I'm just standing here thinking, you know, I just figured out why some people don't like me. <laughs> reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. And then look at this, though. Rebuke, which is a stronger word than reprove. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. Verse 9, give instruction to a wise man, and he will be yet wiser. He will learn. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. The The disciples call to teach. It requires that disciples be willing to teach, but it also requires that disciples be willing to learn. Um. I think that probably 
and I've, I've made a lot of mistakes in the ministry. And um, unlike our president, who's only made one or two, I've made a lot of, I've had a lot of mistakes in the ministry. But one, one of the mistakes, and I mean, I'm sincere when I say this, um, is trying, desperately trying to teach people who don't want to learn. Uh, they're just not interested in learning. And, but you know what? As a pastor, I want to help people grow. I want to see people grow. I want to help them learn. I believe the, I believe the Christian life is the best life there is. And I believe the Word of God is the greatest source of wisdom in the world. And I believe if we put it to practice, it'll change our life. It'll help us in our attitude. It'll help us in our finances. It'll help us in our families. It'll help us on the job. It'll help us with our relationships. I believe, I believe that. But some people don't want it. They just, they're not willing. I don't think they're intentionally, they just don't, they just aren't interested. But so a disciple has got to be willing to learn. Now let me give you something to start with and we're finished. Here's two things we could begin with. Number one, sharing our testimony. You don't have to study anything to be prepared to tell someone else what Jesus means to you. And by the way, that's one of the most powerful things you can share with someone is your testimony. Start with that. I want to I be ready to give an answer to every man that asks me a reason for the hope that's within me. It may be someone in the grocery store line. It may be someone where you work. It may be a family member at Thanksgiving that you have a brief window of opportunity to say, I just want to tell you what changed my life. And then second of all, sharing the gospel. Sharing the gospel. Now, that may seem a challenge to you, but really that's, those two things are pretty easy compared to telling someone how God brought you to the trial or giving scriptures for the comfort he's giving you in a difficult time or whatever. But be willing to share the gospel. That includes give them a gospel track. Just share a gospel track. You know, you can do that through the, through the drive-thru at wherever you go. <laughs> through the drive-thru. Right? I know you're busy now, but could you take a moment and read this when you get a chance? People need to hear. We need to share. Share your testimony and share the gospel. Invite people to church. Invite people. You may have to invite 10 people or 15 people or 20 people or 100 people before somebody comes, but just invite people. Invite your neighbors. Invite your family. Invite people with a track. Say, look, why don't you come worship with us sometime? We need to share what God has done and God is doing in our life. It's good for us. We need that. We need to share that. I personally believe, and I believe the whole principle of, you know, he that's faithful in a few things, God will make ruler over many. I think, I personally believe that the more we share with others what God has given us, the more God gives us. Right? We need to do it, but others need to hear it. Others need to hear what God has done or is doing in our life. Evangelism 
hinges on our willingness to share the gospel. It doesn't hinge on your personality. It's on your willingness. How many of you have ever seen your kids, little kids, elementary children, preschoolers? How many of you have ever seen your children? It's okay to vote. Raise your hand if this is true. How many of you have ever seen them boldly pass out a track or witness to somebody? Let me see your hands. Lots of us have. And it's not because they know all the Bible. It's because they know you're supposed to do it. And they do it. We've got the good news. We have the good news. This is not fake news. This is the real news. It's true news. But evangelism must be a priority. And it needs to become a way of life. Now, I might be wrong about this, but I think this is an important part of discipleship. A disciple is a teacher that we really need to take seriously tonight. Let's take it seriously. Don't, you can't pass this down to someone else and say, well, that doesn't apply to me. If you're not saved, it doesn't apply to you. But if you are saved, it does apply to you. And if you're sitting there thinking, I, I know I should, I wish I could, I don't know where to start. Get somebody to go with you. Get somebody to tell you, show you, right? Get somebody to help you. Most of us started sharing the gospel with other people by watching somebody else do it, right? That's how I did. I watched Brother Murray or somebody I was with. You know, you watch, you pray, you be the silent partner. I like that. It's like, I was going to say, it's like being a husband. <laughs> being the silent partner. It's, but what, watch and pray. Learn. People need it. You know, I, there's not a person around that is more concerned about the worsening culture that we live in. I can become very cynical and disappointed and negative about it. But you know what? They're living in darkness. They need the gospel. They need the gospel. A disciple's call to teach. How many of you tonight would say, Preacher, with God as my helper, I'm going to really start working on this and be more diligent and intentional whether it's with your kids or with another friend or with a neighbor, but I'm going to really start working on fulfilling my responsibility to teach others. Let me see your hands. I appreciate that. 